0: and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one and it takes care of everything in a complete com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network what's so special about hero Bread's
1: soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day
0: Got to let it go. So Fast a- to finger. down.
2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for February eighth, twenty twenty two. We're members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time, or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, my co-host and friend Case Low And Case, what a week has it been in Dragon Gate? For all these, for like the last 18 months of us saying like, oh yeah, Corkins are kind of feeling like they aren't what they were in 2016, 2017. Boy, have the first three Tokyo Korkin Hall shows of Dragon Gate's year proved us wrong.
1: It made up for the entire, dare I say, sleepy 2021 that Tokyo was treated to, where a lot of those shows, especially in the first half of the year, were really hampered by the curfew that was in place. And we were getting main events that were going like five or six minutes long, you know, a few main events that didn't hit the 10 minute mark. And, you know... you know, obviously Dragon Gate's is not a Tokyo-based company, but they seem to put their most important stuff in Cork and Hall for the most part, and that just wasn't the case last year, and something about that felt very off to me. It was hard at times to get into the rhythm of this promotion, and this is one of the few wrestling companies where it seems like you almost have to ride their way, but if you get out of rhythm with Drangate, it can be really hard to to fully comprehend everything that's going on during the busy times of this promotion. And it just seemed like last year that Corkins were more often than not a little bit of a letdown where I'd be writing my overall thoughts and my reviews over at com, And I would write, you know, it was a solid show, a lot of good matches, young guys look good, but nothing worth going out of your way to see. And what we saw in January on the 12th with the crazy show closing angle, and on the 13th with some of the strong matches. And then once again here, these shows have become go out of your way to watch. These are newsworthy, these are important. There's not only great angles, but we're seeing the return of great matches in Tokyo. So it's it's a welcome return. I really missed the hotter angles and hotter matches taking place in Cork, and especially in the first half of last year. Towards the end of the year, they righted the ship, but in 2022 they have put their best foot forth, put their best foot forward in Tokyo.
2: Yeah, and it's something that it seems like that after it seems like a decade or so where they've kind of have treated Tokyo like okay, it's a it's our big single month, single show a month place tokyo but we will do stuff elsewhere and that really helped like pull out the stagnancy that we would see at times with kobe sambo hall across of course you had hakata star lanes which was arguably the number two venue for the company on a monthly basis going away in 2019 and then and then osaka the Edion, too that's always treated like a big deal it seems like that they are renewing a little bit of their focus towards tokyo uh, they've announced two corkins for april which is something that traditionally you we would have the two corkins in december they added a second corkin in january in 2019 because one of them was going to be the tory ma reunion show and they stuck with with it since but it's something that we're starting to see more and more shows happen in tokyo i don't think this is something that's going to be a full force like Kanto expansion for Dragon Gate, but it's something that's nice to see because at least with uh, production and for international viewers, it's a it's an easier show to if you're someone that's going to watch one show a month, it's it's easier to watch the Tokyo full full production and English commentary shows than it, it, than to say like all right, we got uh, three shows coming up and Sapporo for it's an easier thing for someone to dip their toe into in a way, so it's nice. To see that. Uh, so, we will be talking about the February 4th Corkin Hall show, but there are a lot of events that happened in Corkin that are worth delving into first before we do our show review. And I think, first and foremost, we need to talk about the new unit that was started on February 4th. This is the next HEAL unit as R.E.D. after the exile of Ata, the last remaining. Original member of Real Extreme Diffusion. R.E.D. is no more. Now the heel unit is z Their color scheme is yellow with like caution tape, yellow color, a little bit of highlighter yellow in comparison to like the more goldenrod yellow, I guess I would say, Case. Maybe more like I I, I used to get like the 64 box of crayons growing up. So I'm not unfamiliar with this color. And we don't really have like a distinct vibe or anything like this. And it later came out that the unit leader, which is a little bit of a surprise, at least for me, is Kai. So Z- so R.E.D. has ended, and now we are in the era of Z-Brats.
1: I can't relate to your crayon comparison. I, of course, was a stupid kid. I could not color in between the lines as a child at almost 23 years old, I still couldn't do that. So I I understand what you're saying, but I don't totally understand your reference. But yes, yellow and black are these colors. They look like a million bucks, much like you. I was surprised to see that Kai was the leader. Of course, he's the Open the Dreamgate champion, but their debut was entirely facilitated by Hyo and by SP Kento. They were the ones talking on the microphone. They seem to to be the visionaries behind this unit with these new colors, with this new name, and yet it is Kai leading the way, which I have no issue with because I'm sure as this unit continues to go along, we'll see ebbs and flows and power changes at the top at some point. I thought, I, I will say, I love this. I love this unit. I love the name. I love the colors, I was so surprised. Stuff I read on Twitter, stuff I read in the Voices of Wrestling Discord and the Dragon Gate thread, which is objectively, and I don't even say this as the host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast, I think people in that Discord will agree the Dragon Gate thread is the best thread on that Discord. Lots of good discussions there. But I was so surprised to see people not into the ZBrats name, whether it's too weird or it doesn't make sense or whatever their reasoning is. I, this. Did not even phase me? Maybe it's just being too deep into Drangate at this point. I think this is a good name. I think it's what people will remember. I don't think it's a dumb name compared to a Do Fixer or a Mad Blanky or a Verzerk, the best unit of all time, arguably. Zebrats is fine. This is one that is going to catch on with people. It's going to be easy to remember. The only issue, as Jay pointed out in commentary, is that it is hyphenated, which means you cannot hashtag it.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, come on. We're in 2022. You've had the renewed focus towards social media. You got to have a name that you could easily hashtag there. The the name doesn't bother me. Also, because if you say it really fast, it sounds like The Brats, which, you know, that kind of fits both Hio and SB Kento's character. So if we're going to think about, like, what is kind of the overall gimmick of the unit, whereas, like, RED was definitely Ada's Machination's for Zerk was about the strongest of the strong. Mad Blanky went through so many different iterations that it's kind of hard to think of an entire like unit theme there. It it, it works. Uh, the name, I mean, Dragon Gate does not have good unit names. Like nothing like jumps off your sh- your screen and say it's cool except for like the random like Muscle Outlaws. Like that sounds like a heel unit, not like Mochizuki Mochizuki Kanda because you had M two K. So like. It's. I think. I know. Jay said this on Twitter as well. A lot of people's misgivings will go away after they get used to it. So I love the aesthetic. I think that going to yellow, even though, case I know you had a big thing against the color red, they've hammered the color yellow longer than they hammered the color red. So I'm all right with it, and it's something that you know. I I think we're going to see a lot of ebbs and flows just with. Who are in this unit and how things are kind of shaking out? It's still a pretty light heel unit, especially at the bottom end, I would say. So I, I think that Kai as a leader is just kind of weird because of this really felt like this was going to be SB Kento and Hio's unit, even though they are the ones doing all the talking here. So it'll be interesting to see and it'll be fun to see it play out. And you know, I like the idea that they're doing completely like fresh. Fresh coat of paint, new colors, new name. There's no reason to continue the R.E.D. lineage with or the RED name without ATA. And it kind of does like a nice kind of bookend for ATA right now. And you know, now we could take a step back and look at R.E.D., one of the longest tenured heel units in Dragon Gate history.
1: i I should note two things. One to go along with the new colors, obviously the new name, new gear for most of the guys. Diamante rearranged his setup. SB Kento, I, had, I think he had ditched the red hat a while ago. Now that I think about it, I don't remember seeing him with that red hat for a while. But he has a leather jacket now. He already came across like a superstar. He's come across like a superstar since his debut. But now it's heightened even more. He looks great kai looks awesome i thought his gear looked tremendous and maybe i was just so taken aback by him flashing people in the front row of cork and hall during his entrance for the Dreamgate match where i was perhaps a bigger fan of it than i will be in the future but i thought he looked great as well if you look at the dragon gate website all of their promo photos are updated and they all look excellent and if you look at the dragon gate website you will notice one name who was absent from the Z Brats lineup? And I think that's worth mentioning here really quick. Again, I reached out to somebody in Dragon Gate about probably two months ago now to get an update on Kakuta. I did not hear anything back. I have not heard anything since, but it is worth noting that Hip Hop Kakuta is still on the roster, which is very important to note. He is still listed on the roster page, but he is not a member of Z Brats. What do you make of that?
2: I kind of expected it, to be honest, just because. It he was someone who had all those shoulder problems leading up to the match. We found out after the fact, and we've seen through Dragon Gate, especially like if there's been one injury that kind of has been the telltale sign of Dragon Gate over the last three years. It's been like the shoulder or rotator cuff, and those things are t- tricky. So like the fact that I still haven't heard anything like since you reached out to so someone I when I like talk to people, no one has had any indication about any possible return or rehabbing with him. So kind of expected it but i mean that whittles down zebras to six members as i said that is pretty small for a heal unit in current dragon system like it, it's something where like you you get away with it on Corkin cuz you could do a trio as a tag and then you have kai in the main event but you're going to probably want to have two more members just so that the baby face units don't have to constantly go against each other
1: it's an odd thing to say, given that they lost two matches on this show. But if you look at that lineup, Kai, Hulk, Hyo, SB Kento, Shun Skywalker and Diamante, there's no obvious loss post in there. So they could certainly use a seventh member who was there primarily to take falls. Now, I look at the names remaining on this roster and I, I, boy, I just don't, I don't know who would make sense and who I would want to see in there because we very quickly move past, you know, Ultima O and Dragon Daya and Yukio and Ata guys who have no business being in that unit. And once you start going down the list, we very quickly approach the Punch Tamanagas and the Gammas and the Problem Dragons of the world. And I think I would rather just Zebrats go undefeated than see any of those guys join this unit because I really like the way it's it's set up right now.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing right now, is the person that arguably would be the one taking falls is Hulk, and Hulk's still relatively protected. Hulk also has the worst gear out of all of them, but it's BB Hulk, and, and, you know, since he turned heel and joined R.E.D., his gear hasn't been anything to call home about to begin with. It's Shins- amazing,
1: he used to he used to look so good, yeah, either yeah. in the white pants or the silver pants that he had, and once he moved to that skirt thing that he wears, it's, it's not a good look. It's not my favorite BB Hulk look, I'll say that.
2: Yeah, with, like, the French T-shirt, it just looks really, really like something you see on a Secret Base show, personally.
1: (laughs) The worst thing you could say to a member of the Trangate roster. (laughs) Am I wrong? I I didn't say you were wrong. It just hurt my feelings, let alone B.B. Hulk's.
2: But but yeah, I mean, I think the winner out of this, I love Shun's black on black with heel highlights mask. I think that's awesome. I think he, like, stepping away, even though I love the aesthetics that he had with Masquerade, I think that that's such a good heel look for him. But when you, like, look at the roster and how it's, like, laid up there right now, you have to wonder if some of the kids are going to turn. You know, some Well, of these that's, fe-
1: that's what I was just about to ask you, was if you had to, if they come to you, if Genki Horiguchi... The booker, of course. Not really. If Genki Horaguchi comes to you and he says, Mike, we've got two shows in Fukuoka coming up on February twentieth. We need one of the future kids to turn. Who are you putting in that spot? I and mean, I and I will be generous. I will also include Strong Machine J if you'd like.
2: I mean Strong Machine J. I mean, that'd be a real indictment of his career if he ends up being a lost post right now. <laughs> so uh <laughs> Uh, thanks for the offer for strong machine, Jay. you know I think i will take an advisement uh but you know I mean th- I think fuda like he needs something i it does not seem like that he's going to really like I thought that like after last month's cork and shows, he would be like a good person to be like, okay, uh. Okuda and Benkei take him under his wing. He goes and joins high end. It makes high end six. And now they have someone other than Kakatora who could like drop falls. Like that's what I saw for him. But out of the future kids, I mean, Shoya Sato, it just like with his age, like unless they're really like going like, okay, we want to get the heel run out of the way. So then when he's in his thirties, we can turn him baby face. Food is the only one that like really lies, lines up. I think Fujiwara is someone that they're going to, probably end up either in the uh, doi house of international hot boys or will be just someone on the Bayface side hayakawa i mean geez like unless he just becomes like an absolute like sleazeball i can't see it for hayakawa and the ahashi brothers like that'd be a great way to fill up numbers is the you suddenly get a young heel tag team i just see it seems like that like i think the ahashi brothers kind of I see them going along with whatever Ada's doing in some way. So Hmm. I think Fuda makes the most sense. Secondarily, Hayakawa, my galaxy brain idea are the Ahashi brothers. Uh, Who are you thinking out of the Futures class could flush out this unit?
1: Fuda makes the most sense, and it would... It would be twofold because you could also you have a built in program with high end there and his continued rivalry, I guess we'll say now with Ben and Akuda, which, you know, like I've talked about since high end first launched outside of Yamato versus Kai, which was a feud that certainly served a purpose, but didn't exactly light my world on fire high-end has largely been without direction as a unit. You could point to RED versus Masquerade, and you could look at what Natural Vibes was doing fostering the young talent underneath. High-end has always just been guys there, and I would love to have somebody in the heel unit other than, of course, Yamada versus Kai that has a direct issue with them that they can build on future shows. I, I also, and I've got a lot to say about Hayakawa, in this, I'm sorry, not Hayakawa, about Fujiwara in this episode, it's a good thing that I'm not booking Fujiwara right now because he has he would be my pet project to such a degree where I just would want to see what he could do. One month, I'm going to want to see if he can be a heel. One month, I'm going to want to see if he can be an underdog babyface. One month, I'm going to want to see if he can wrestle like the ace of the promotion, even though he just turned 20 years old. There's so many questions I have about him right now and they're all rooted in positivity because I think his potential is unbelievable. I I could see him being the one just because he's he's ready I think he's ready for elevation I think he's ready for a new spot this would give him another tool in his arsenal something else that he could excel at rather quickly I believe it's not the most uh natural pairing again we both went to Fuda first but I I think Fujiwara as a heel at this point would be very very interesting and then Hayekawa is the other one you could very easily follow the Kotoka uh, Blah era. He'll run with him, give him an outlandish gimmick, make him an outlandish character, and have him pick up a few wins here and there. So again, I go Fuda. I think Fujiwara and Hayakawa in that third place position. I would keep the Hashi brothers as they are right now. And it's you. you put that in my head. Sato is going to have to have that. In the same way that Ben K joined RED just so he could later turn on RED, it felt like that was all placeholder stuff. I think Sato is probably going to have to have that run at some point. I just don't want that run to be now.
2: Yeah. And the thing about Fujiwara is that, like, he is the one person, and as we talked about the shows and about the digest stuff from this last week, he is the person that they have taken the training wheels off of. So, so it's clear they have more faith in him than they do for, like, Fuda. Right now. And I think that's just apparent for if you're someone who just like has watched them for the last two and a half months, it's very clear. They debuted on the same day. One person is so far ahead of him there. Sato, I mean, like the thing about Sato though, because like you're right, like they just need to plug him in and get over with because of his age. I just, I don't know if you want to have him come in there in that role. You kind of want him to be elevated a little bit before that turn. Well,
1: they, they, just reestablished him as a face by not accepting Don Fuji's handshake and not wanting to team with him, which, well, I guess I took it as a babyface move. Maybe some people would take it as a heelish move. I took I it as took... heelish. I did. Oh, really? That's okay. Well, that's fascinating. We'll, we'll get to that then, because I thought that was kind of reaffirming his stance as a baby face, not being uh, seduced by the evil ways of Don Fuji. Are they evil? I, I think that depends who you ask, Mike.
2: Yeah, that's why I, that's why I thought that I was heelish. <laughs>
1: it's it, Don Fuji should be Cody's wet dream as a wrestler. Don Fuji is the perfect tweener shades of gray. Don Fuji brother, Fujiism is life, and well in Dragon Gate, <laughs> so, so, so zebrats
2: is it has a very interesting like outlook there. Of course, like not getting too much into it. Uh, as you mentioned, they went one and two in Corrigan, but it doesn't really matter. Mad Blanky had it, got their asses beat by. Th- by, as they called it, three old men in their first big match. So, I mean, I don't know if that's really anything to read read into, especially when you already have the Dreamgate champion there and you have someone who's, in, or you have really two people who are incredibly protected and SBK and Diamante. I, I think they look pretty strong. It's just, want to see who else will join, and it's clear that the uh, unit shuffle is not complete at this point.
1: No, we still have at least you know one full unit to be formed with a10 Maria, and we'll get the unit announcement and, and name. And I, did they did the Menorah Doi Ashita unit? Did they say they were gaining a new member on the March Corrigan, or they're just naming themselves?
2: They said that they are naming themselves, and then there's also a special gift that Doi is preparing for Menorah on march 3rd which horrifying. yeah <laughs> horrifying <laughs> oh,
1: no <laughs>
2: I, I i mean you don't want your rookie as your secret santa you don't want him to be
1: you you don't want him to be your secret santa
2: let me rephrase that
1: <laughs> i hope it's doy darts i hope they do a spring edition of doy darts i don't think that's what it's going to be but that'd be fun
2: i try and think of a bar game menorah i mean i i mean they're not gonna play beer pong so you can't call it like codus cups so i would hey
1: there's so much youth on this roster they should be doing beer pong that was a they did that in Dragon at usa didn't they wasn't there a beer pong match
2: yes yes it was chuck taylor versus someone
1: well it would have been eric cannon i believe
2: yeah it was chuck taylor versus eric cannon it it was when i gabe had no idea what to do (laughs) with chuck taylor so,
1: oh, you mean Gabe had no idea what to do with Chuck Taylor? Anytime Gabe has booked Chuck Taylor, you mean? Exa-
2: exactly. <laughs> I- 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, well, I'm just like, it's fascinating to see like that. So, yeah, uh, we do have the uh, DOI unit has uh, officially formed. Uh, just hitting this quick and we'll talk about it more later. Kota Minor and the returning Kaito Ishida, Takashi Yoshida has been kicked to the curb and he had uh, another me- another meltdown. Poor guy. There afterwards.
1: Yeah, I do you want, do you want to get into the show now? Do you want to talk about Red first? Do you want to talk yeah. about Kashi Yoshida?
2: Sorry, yeah, let's talk about Red first. So this concludes Red. They lasted from Dangerous Gate 2018 until February 4th. Heal unit wise, I think that sucks them um, third with a. Uh, crazy maximad Blanky, but boy is it an interesting unit to talk about whereas with berserk there's really like okay it's shingo takagi and and doyama antios we don't talk about there's a l- lot of interesting things to talk about with uh red with it concluding i arguably the most decorated heel unit in dragon system history i would say
1: they ended up with three dreamgate champions by the time things were all said and done and i can't imagine another heal unit that did that
2: i mean uh blood generation not really
1: no it, gonna... was, it, it was shima and kishiwada
2: right but kishiwada was quickly into muscle outlaws there yep, uh, yeah uh real hazard you had both uh y- you had the you, you did have uh, Yamato, and then you had Shingo, but they immediately turned on Shingo, and he turned Babyface. Deep Drunkers. Deep Drunkers was not here for a long time. They were here for a good time, case okay, so you don't need any <laughs> comment added on to that.
1: And notoriously no Dreamgate champions at Deep Drunkers. Hey, uh,
2: Kenichiro Arai was focused on more important <laughs> things at that point. Uh, Blood Warriors, of course, was Yoshima, And then uh, Mad Blanky, you had Yamato, really. So, yeah, no, most decorated, at least the top line, every belt was captured there, Um, uh, you had a King of Gate winner out of Ada, and you just, like, take a step back with it, and if there's, like, a unit that embodied the OWE, post-OWE Dragon Gate, I think it has to be R.E.D.,
1: yeah, so they have the three Dreamgate champions. They have Kaito Oshida's Bravegate run, which I think we both agree is one of the best runs with that title of all time. They have the Big E tag team run, which is something that I wanna I wanna talk about as we kind of dissect what this unit was. That was a brief but very important tag team with Big R, Shimizu, and Ata. And then they had the Kazuma Sakamoto, Takashi Yoshida, Yasushi Kanda open the Triangle Gate team, which certainly might not jump off the page to you, but that is the fourth longest Triangle Gate team uh, reign of all time. Plus the King of Gate win, like you said. So yeah, this is this is a decorated unit, and, and they're exactly that. They represent new Dragon Gate. They existed, if you take away the nine god awful months of Antio- of, of Antios, they exist entirely in a post-OWE world. They exist have a lot of different eras to look at. You know, this is a unit that, like Mike said, they debuted September 24th, 2018. Their first match, Ben Big R Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, Yasushi Kanda, and X, who turned out to be Cosmo Sakamoto, and they defeated the full fleet of Natural Vibes 1.0, Horiguchi, KZ, Yokosuka, Punch Tamanaga, and Brother Yashi. A week and a half after that, Pac debuts, and uh, teams up there to oust Shingo Takagi from the company. You have Pac winning the title on December 4th, 2018, against Masato Yoshino. And up through that summer, it's really interesting to look back at that time period because you have the Pac-led R.E.D. when he's in Japan, and then you have the ata led R.E.D. when Pac is away and at the time, and, you know, we'll talk about it more about how excited I am about Ata's future here, but at this time, start of 2019, I was so down on Ata as a main event guy, as a top-of-the-line star, as a heel, and so uh, my enjoyment of this unit was entirely dependent on whether or not Pac was in the country or not.
2: Yeah, early R.E.D. was really trying to figure out what it was, and Pac was the guy that, when he came in there, I like to say... The company gave him basically seven months and he gave them their next five years. And it, it's something, because Ata was a heel leader beforehand. He led Antios. He and that fell flat on its face. So it's something that's like, oh, Ada's getting another shot like right now. So there's a lot of trepidation there. The whole X is Cosma thing was something that was laughed at initially, and then case you were right all along there. And it was something that like also up until really when Pac was touring full time, Ata was embroiled in the bravegate feud with uh, Dragon Kid, which we both are mass- were massively down on. And it was something that's like the main event of Final Gate 2018 was the Mascara Contra uh Caballera match that was fine. It finished the feud, thank God. And then yeah, you, you, you had like this time where it was like Ata still has Bravegate champion. Pac was when he was around was doing these excellent matches and the rest of the unit was kind of finding its footing. And really like you look at uh, the end of PAX run. So Kobe world 2019, he drops the belt to Benke, who was turned on at dead or alive 2019. And, uh, but then you really get into the fall and winter and you have the, the uh, mass demons. And that really kind of became the thing where I feel like that R.E.D., left its infancy and became like this new stage there where you had people such as uh, Kaito Ishida and BB Hulk join up at the end of 2019. And they entered 2020 at such a strong place because they had these turns. And you had such like a bulwark there because you had Hulk who added some credibility. You had Ishida who was coming in as one of the more popular guys in the company soon after winning the brave gate in his hometown turning heel on maximum and that was such a heel, huge deal there and you kind of had like the rise of diamante happening all the while and it just became like something that i feel like that through the fall of 2019 that was really where they got their sea legs
1: yeah that's where they start to find themselves and at least to me created a more palatable unit because the spring of that year it's Ata and it's Kanda, and it's Yoshida, and it's Ultra Sleaze Shimizu. And it's this very sleazy, very dirty unit who certainly is able to get across their heel tendencies because of the promotion that they're in, because of the way they acted. But it it, it wasn't really lighting my world on fire. And then once Benkei turns, obviously you have the near-perfect build with him and pocket world and you come out of that, and now they're down a leader. Now the ball is back in Aita's hands, and he has to do something with it. And you have that run, that Shimizu and Ata tag team, which was the first time, God, since Aita turned heel in 2017. So a full two years where I looked at him in the ring, and I was like, hey, that's the guy that I like. That's the Ata that has some potential. He's he's back in his comfort zone here not carrying all of the weight of this heel unit, having Shimizu alongside of him, and then you know the fall of that year, they they have the stuff with Ultimo, which I don't I don't love. I would like to revisit it now, now that I'm more comfortable with Ultimo's place in the promotion. Because like I've talked about, when when Ultimo came in and they announced that he was going to be a full time uh, roster member, I was sweating bullets because we weren't sure what Ultimo we were going to get. We weren't sure if uh, if he was going to be the cool old man that we got or if he was going to be an egotistical madman. And of course, we ended up getting the cool guy. But you know, we're looking at Ultimo versus the top heel in the company at the time. And I remember being really concerned that Ultimo was going to pin this guy in the middle of the ring and just you know dust his hands off and move on. And, and we were going to be very quickly into a downward spiral. But like Mike said, once the masked demons come into play and once Ashita turns heel, he was such a vital part of just figuring out what R.E.D. was, which was a little less sleazy and a little more ass-kicking, and they really needed that, and Hulk, when he was on, certainly helped things. Cosmo Sakamoto becoming the great wrestler that he became in this company, and I, I greatly miss him now. I wish he was a part of zebrats. He certainly helped things. They hit 2020, and they hit the the generational warfare on an upswing.
2: Yeah, and it's something that, like, not to relitigate uh COVID and anything like this. It, it, it's just something that, like, it, it's a shame that a lot of R.E.D.'s best stuff came in 2020 when it was behind closed doors and then it was behind the crowds that we live in right now. Because you ended up, you ended out 2019 with Hyo joining because he was pissed off about uh, Keisuke Akuda joining Mochizuki Dojo. and But then you really started to add people towards the end of 2020, after Eita wins the Dream Gate at Memorial Gate 2020, after winning the closed-door King of Gate. And that was when he became very clearly the guy. And in quick order, like closing out the year, you had Kai turn on Yamato at Dangerous Gate 2020 in the cage match. You then had SB Kento join the unit and win the Triangle Gate in the same day in November. And then you ended out the year with Hip Hop Kakuta joining the unit. So you really, at that point, you had the real youth revolution happening there. And it led to what I would say is the crowning achievement of R.E.D., the biggest moment of their tenure, winning the three-way generation award at Final Gate 2020, when R.E.D., under SB Kento's basically power with the assist Hip Hop Kakuta, ended the uh mod generation and an elimination no DQ loser must disband match and what both of us have as the most recent five-star match in Dragon System history
1: I was gonna ask what you think the the most defining R.E.D. moment is are you gonna say it's that unit disbands match easily so
2: because even though there was the uh, the Benkei versus Shun Skywalker Dreamgate match happened right afterwards. Like the indelible image in my head left by Final Gate 2020 is RED on the ramp celebrating after defeating uh, the Torrey Mon generation after SB Kento nearly, uh, I mean, practically unmasks Dragon Kid during the last five minutes of that match.
1: Yeah, there there's a few different directions you can go with it. Obviously, you can point to Pac's Dreamgate win, which was a giant moment. And in a moment that the company so desperately needed just to have continued stability at the top of the card after the OWE split. They give the belt to Yoshino, which is the right move, and Yoshino guided them along for a little bit, kept it nice and steady, and then Pac got the belt and, and just took off. And he had the KZ match and the Dragon Kid match and the Ben K match. And, you know, Pac is one of the best wrestlers in the world still. It, th- things very much worked out there. You have the A-Dreamgate win, which uh, you know, I personally find incredibly interesting to look at because we talked all of, of May and June when they were doing those empty arena King of Gate shows, we would come on this podcast every week and go, Kaito Ishida's the guy. Why are they not pushing Kaito Ishida? I'm so sick of Eita in this spot. You know, I I, I specifically was looking at Ishida as one of the next guys in this promotion. I think his current spot now is really interesting to look at, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but... I was not sold on ATA as a Dreamgate champion. I didn't know if he could do it. I didn't know if he'd rise to the occasion. And then he and Naruki Doi went out there August 2nd, 2020, Memorial Gate in Wakayama, and they had a goddamn professional wrestling match, one of my favorite Dreamgate matches of all time. And whatever negative things I've said about ATA, he will always have that against me. That match was unbelievable. He was otherworldly in it. And that is a high point, but none, none of those moments are higher in that unit disbands match. I rewatched the finish today because I, I, I came across a video of it. And the last minute of that match is essentially the dragon system summarized as to what they do best. They have this finish where they go for the Lariat spots in the corner. R.E.D. First Toriyama generation counters. SB Kento is taking these Lariats. Who's the last person in line? It's Konamama Ichikawa. SB Kento boots him, goes for a lariat. he swings and misses. Ichikawa hits the Inabauer German suplex and it's insane. It's one of the best German suplexes I've ever seen. It looks like Drankid is going to get the win. He goes to cover Ata One, two. Eta distract, or picks the referee up, stops the count, and then super kicks him and hits him with a metal box. And that gives SB Kento the opening he needs to hit the SB shooter and make Dragon tap out. It's everything they do well. It's the run-ins. It's the storytelling. It's the, it's, it's just so good. And it's everything this promotion does. And it's summarized into one minute of this amazing half hour, no DQ unit disbands match. And when I think about RED, the image that comes to mind is after that match, those guys on top of the ramp at final gate and Fukuoka, and they're all standing tall and they're all standing proud. And in that moment, God, they were so good that, that, End of 2020 run is such a special time when you start to see Hyo come into his own and SB Kento take off the way he did and Eita was there and he was doing good work and you had Diamante and Sakamoto and Kakuta and that that was a special unit right there.
2: Yeah, and that's not to say that 2021 things really kind of fell off for them because they were embroiled in, in, in the overall Masquerade versus RED feud, which is going to be something like I'm not putting this on the whiteboard case because we'll get erased too many times before then. But like 2026 might be a time to do the rewind and rewatch Masquerade versus Red because it became the storyline of the other than Masato Yoshino retiring became the storyline of the year was all the various machinations you had all of Red gunning for Shun Skywalker in the Dreamgate. You then had, of course, the Dia Inferno versus Dragon Dia feud and how that kind of interwove in with the falling a part of masquerade and diamante winning two masks in one year so they finished out 2021 and most of their tenure very strong and then also alongside all that you had the rise of sb kento happening so really just a fascinating kind of uh, timeline for a unit a heel unit that at times you know it got really sleazy with RED, but it was something that like you you definitely had a time where it's like Ata and his goon squad coming out there, especially in early twenty uh, or late twenty eighteen and some points of twenty nineteen. But it's something that like when you like look at the unit, you have to look at the fact that in the Unit Must Disbands match, you had all those wrestlers under the age of thirty there for they're going against the oldest people on the roster and just like the, the true generational change happening in the ring and how it played out for their last 13 months after that.
1: Yeah. To, to add on to that point, their 2021 was phenomenal. And and we should mention at some point in this podcast that masquerade is officially done, and we talked about how menorah gave the interview where he said he was leaving. drangate was still recognizing them as an official unit. Of course, our 2022 primer is now woefully out of date, and we will be updating that. And the goal, and I, and we have to get with Rich to figure out the best way to do this. But the goal is to update that in relatively real time going forward. So we'll have yeah. a zebrats bio, zebraat's bio done, hopefully very soon, and then we'll add on with doy's unit and Aita's unit and everything else that comes along. You mentioned it, you 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 glossed over this crazy moment, which I did too, I wasn't even thinking about it, they retired Masato Yoshino, and that was in 2021, on top of all of those great Masquerade matches, which I was going to say, you know, at some point we have to talk about Masquerade and that unit coming to a close, but when you talk about Masquerade's history, it's all just what they did with R.E.D., which is a compliment to both units because they worked so well together.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I glossed over Yoshino. I didn't mean to, but it was no, something... it's crazy.
1: I did, I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's right. A-10 BB Hulk just kicked the shit out of Masato Yoshino in his final match. That was a pretty big deal, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it it's something where when like you like look, look at this, and I think Masquerade kind of was the foil now that we have a little bit of distance. And really, when we talk about Masquerade, I made the comment to you in a DM today. This was like, I, I've been watching a lot of Below Deck lately because I like having dumb TV on. And it's something that I find the yachting world kind of fascinating in a way. But it, 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 it is like some of like the most tropey reality television because you get the breakup that happened that's really starting to happen in one episode and it takes a whole month for it to kind of play out on the reality show and that's kind of what happened with masquerade like masquerade pretty much was dead the moment that shun skywalker shoved dragon dia we just kind of were waiting for them to officially take the pulse and say at the time of death
1: yeah i, I mean it, it's weird because they extended the life of masquerade for much longer than they had to but i'm also surprised that it ended as soon as it did it it seemed like this was one of those things they were going to really arguably overcommit to and we'd still be dealing with this in the spring i'm happy with the way things ended up a masquerade will go down as one of my favorite units of all time if not if maybe not a top five but certainly a top 10 unit they existed for just over a year their whole deal was they had good matches on every show i mean that's that's what it was skywalker was one of the three best wrestlers in the world last year the best wrestler not named kenny omega or brian danielson i've talked at length about how I think Jason Lee is the best junior heavyweight in Japan. We saw Coach Minora go from guy with a lot of potential, guy that could be a star, to guy that is a star. We saw Dragon Dye completely transform who he is, and now he's hit the ground running in his new era. In La Estrella, we both run hot and cold on, but we'll probably look back on La Estrella's career and go masquerade was his best fit, which is... Perhaps a backhanded compliment, but when Estrella was on in those Masquerade multi-man matches, he was outstanding.
2: Yeah, and, and I think it's something that like Masquerade, I think, when like we look back in this with some more hindsight, really was the launching post for Daya and Menonora. If you really like want to boil it down to, I mean, not getting too much in the Corkin show, but I noticed that all the fan towels and signs half of them were could have been in aura signs. Like, it's something that, like, he is a definitive star, and then Dragon Daya now is at a point that it's almost ridiculous. Like, us thinking three months ago, there was no idea, no way that he's going to lose the mask. He is the heir to the Dragon legacy. They can't unmask a dragon in this company. Now he's become, like, his own man and has his own neat thing. It, it, it's just something that, like, we look at Masquerade, basically existed for a calendar year, was formed in December of 2020, concluded officially on february 4th but it's a it, it, story about them and it was something that we should have kind of like solid tell the fact that they kept on going back to red stuff that it was not going to be a long time you know like there was never like masquerade versus natural vibes other than like random outpost matches or the same with high end but that you like look at it it as you said provided the runaway of shooting skywalker to have one of the best years and all of wrestling in 2021 Jason Lee just being the most nails wrestler in a roster. Like, if Jason Lee's in the match, I know it's going to succeed. And La Australia, I mean, we've not seen anything of La Australia since they really broke up, so it'll be interesting to see like what it really did for him, other than it might actually have ended up him being the third on a Triangle Gate team, and him being around these other four guys might be his zenith, but but it remains to be seen.
1: Let me ask you this, because I have a specific answer in mind it was the first thing i thought of and it's the i think the best thing they did as a unit so not counting skywalker's dreamgate defenses what do you think is the essential masquerade moment
2: i think it was the fact that they that they swept uh the uh the trial gate matches at kobe world and speedstar final probably
1: interesting okay that was not where i went with that but that is a that's a good pick i had and that's that's good because they what they beat R.E.D. and then Aganisu, right? And both those matches were really good. Yeah, Yeah.
2: overachieved what those matches could have been.
1: Yeah, that Aganisu match. I was nervous going into that weekend that things were going to go differently in terms of quality and in terms of the victors. And that ended up being the best case scenario. That's interesting. That's a good one. I did not think of that. My mind immediately went to the October Cork and show and defeating R.E.D. in that all out war five-on-five uh, series of singles matches where Skywalker beat Dianferno, SB Kento beat La Estrella, Diamante beat uh, Dragon Daya, and then Minora beat Ashita. and then there was that phenomenal closing stretch between Ata and Jason Lee, where Jason Lee ended up going over. I-, I really, really liked what that match was.
2: Yeah, that was such a cool match to have. So I, I, I'm totally with you on that. But it's gonna it's something that like with RED I feel like we ha- we can stay what they are now. I feel like Masquerade is something that, as I mentioned, we're gonna take a step back in a couple of years, be like, all right, let's look at what Masquerade did to repel these guys' careers.
1: Yeah, I, I have nothing but warm memories attached to them. I, I love what they represented. I love the people that they elevated because I think those are some of the best wrestlers in the company. Masquerade, like I said, if it's not one of my five favorite units of all time, it's certainly in my top 10. And, you know, when they debuted, I thought they would be a fun addition to the roster. I thought they would provide good matches, but I never would have imagined they would have as consistently hit the high points that they hit as they did.
2: Yeah, especially for a unit of five kids and goofy masks and cloaks you know i mean the aesthetics of this could have really like backfired on them and instead they had some of the uh, they were the story of 2021 outside of masada yoshino so i think especially say i look back i'll look back at masquerade fondly not just for the masks matches but also because i did get a masquerade dragon gate tracksuit so i, I i'll have that deep purple tracks i don't think i knew that i, oh, I,
1: I yeah. don't think i don't think i remember that purchase have you posted a photo in you of you in this
2: i've posted photos of the tracksuit i may mean, post photos of me in the masquerade tracksuit you know the, the the that's something i save for my special people you know like that's a romance oh, oh it's
1: it's your equivalent of the grand hamada poster you know when a woman sees that it's on <laughs> right
2: yeah i have to say <laughs> damn comfortable tracksuit <laughs> it's the fancy I, one it's the fancy look, one i am
1: I'm, I'm just saying like we're we're approaching well i i, I don't say we're approaching a certain number we get more and more followers on the at open voice gate twitter account every day full body masquerade tracksuit pick might help us out a little bit i think the algorithm's gonna like that i think some people are gonna find our podcast that way mike uh, i'll say this
2: a thousand followers full body masquerade tracksuit
1: <laughs> tell your friends tell your family come on people at open voice gate let me see it
2: Support for Open the Voice Gate comes to us by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. Case, that's why it's America's number one meal kit.
1: Yeah, I can't get enough of this stuff because HelloFresh saves time and stress. Their convenient contact-free delivery right to your doorstep is so great for home cooking with the family or perhaps a studio apartment of one. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, which is great for me. I am a moron. I did not know how to use a stove until I was about 19 or 20, but I don't need to worry about any complicated instructions because HelloFresh tells me exactly what I need to do. They cut out the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. I hate the grocery store. I get lost. I go to the same store. I've been going to the same store for over a year now. I never know where anything is. What I like about HelloFresh is they give me everything that I need, and in 30 minutes or less, I'm able to do it and... As someone who is living in a big city and someone who is poor, I should note that HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store, plus you don't have any awkward interactions with people at the grocery store. This is perfect for a demographic that might like to listen to a podcast about Japanese professional wrestling, perhaps the more socially awkward types of people in this world. You don't have to deal with people. You don't have to say hello. You just have to say hello to HelloFresh and their restaurant quality meals in the comfort of your own home.
2: And and some of the meals they have here, Case, are just insane. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Bulgogi pork tenderloin. We were talking before, so I was like, I love me some Bulgogi. So, like, that is something that I always enjoy. And and here's one that I find delicious whenever I get it from HelloFresh it is the Bellissima bruschetta burgers with herby potato wedges and parmesan roasted vegetables.
1: What I like about you, Mike Spears, is that we were looking at the same exact things on the menu. I'll also mention. Their surf and surf option? Garlic, herb, butter, shrimp, and lobster? Are you kidding me? I can have lobster in my apartment underneath the Grand Hamada poster?
2: I mean, that, that, to me, that is romantic, personally. <laughs> that is romantic. So here's what you do to get on to HelloFresh. You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That is VOW16 at slash voices. of oh, VOW16. 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh. It is America's number one meal kit. So, okay, so, with, with all like the unit shuffle, it's still all really, and we're still in the thick of it. We have masquerade now being defunct we have now this doi army that we are starting to see build out with the return of kaito Ishida, and that those are just some of the big things that happened this week at Corkin. and easily it's something where i feel like the last few months we've been like easily the most newsworthy Corkin of the last x now i'll I'll, I'll say this the most newsworthy Corkin since last month we're in this nice fun time to be a dragon gate fan
1: Yeah, I I love what's going on right now. There's angles all over the place. This was one of those shows where I was writing my review, and thank God there's English commentary because I felt like I was writing about as many angles as I was matches, but everything from the storytelling perspective on this show delivered, so I can't complain about it.
2: Yeah, so let's get into the review itself. It was on the 4th. It'll be up on the network until the 11th, as Case mentioned. English commentary. It wasn't just Jay. We had the return of the world's best color commentator, Ho-Ho Loon. And boy, was it just a—as much as I've loved Ginky Horiguchi and how excited he gets, as much as I find it incredible how Jay would translate an interview and be able to call match at the same time, it's nice to have Ho-Ho back.
1: This show starts, for somebody that might have skipped the intro, with Jay saying, Ho-Ho, welcome back to the broadcast booth. Did you get me anything while you were in America? Ho-Ho, no, I did not. (laughs) And we were off to the races from there.
2: Yeah, it was something that like Ho Ho was like no, but you know my English might be a little better, and you know it was just something that like y- you could almost see the smile drip from from Jay's face when he heard the, his <laughs> response.
1: There, <laughs> I would I would love to know. I guess I can, He follows us on Twitter. I can just ask him. But I would love to know from Ho Ho what he thought of the southern portion of the United States because, oh, yeah. like we talked about, he wasn't like he had stayed in Florida for NXT, but it's not like he was doing like a northeast indies loop here of doing New York and Philly and New Jersey. No, he was doing indies in Louisiana and he did the MLW show in Texas and he did I he did a GCW show but I forget where it was. But he he I think that was Texas
2: too. I think that was Texas too. No, no, no. He did one the uh New York ones. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah Oh, Ho Ho Loon saw America as it really is, for better or worse, and I would love to know his perspective on that. I mean,
2: he he did like a show like Deadlocks, like near the Outer Banks in North Carolina. <laughs> it just was kind of wild with that. Uh, I hope he got to go to a Bucky's while he was in Florida, though. There's two convenient Bucky's there, and you know, I respect my Beaver God. So
1: they just did a a, a Bucky story on CBS Sunday Morning, something that me and. Probably everyone's dad that's listening watches every Sunday. A good story. I would recommend it on the YouTube channel.
2: You finally get why me and Lane's always go on and on about Bucky's now.
1: Of course. Hey, look, there's nothing I'd like to experience in person more.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the crazy thing about Bucky's is that they have like outdoor cooking areas. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. Whenever I drive down to Florida, I pass by two Bucky's, and before I'd have Pudge, I'd be like, all right, I'm going into Bucky's. Now I'm like, can Pudge tolerate a Bucky's? And the answer is no. No, no, very, very
1: sensitive dog cannot handle it.
2: Very easily
1: simulated. He make a,
2: he made a run. He tried to make a break for it on Saturday, and that really kind of like set up my week. You know, the Girl Scouts were coming by. Usually, people don't ring the doorbell because Pudge will just flip out. He ran outside the door and was like trying to like get this Girl Scout to play with him. And after that, he immediately hopped on the couch and started cheesing for my phone. So you know, he he's a weird dog. He's a weird you dog. Know,
1: i growing up i had horses i lived on 10 acres and had at one point had six dogs four horses and three cats which is odd because i notoriously don't like animals but every once in a while we'd have a horse escape and god it's not like i lived in a neighborhood but i would you know i had surrounding houses most of whom they also had horses and it's (laughs) i'm just now thinking about all this about how strange it is to like wake up on a saturday morning you come downstairs and your mom's like hey one of the horses is gone we gotta go look for it and then you and like six adults that you'll you've never seen before and you'll never see again are just driving through the streets of indiana looking for your horse that's a weird moment that i that happened multiple times and i'm just now coming to grips with that
2: hey hey, you know, it's something that I had a friend growing up that lived on an operating ranch, and we always decided we're not staying the night at his ranch because we knew we'd have to go, like, mend fixed fences. You know, there's just weird things that just randomly happen. I wonder if ho got to see a horse. <laughs> just wondering. <laughs> Just wonder who did, but but as the show got underway, we had the rebrand of RED into Zebrats and Jay pointing out that you have to do an underscore on Twitter when talking about Zebrats because you cannot use a hyphen, and that led us into our opening match. It was the Open Twin Gate Champions Dragon Die and Yuki Yoshioka in a non-title match against Young Vibes UT and Jackie Funky Kame. Yoshioka won with the Darkness Buster, immediately going into the Frog Splash on Kame.
1: I remember a few years ago, I think it was at the start of 2019 when I did Alan Pro Progress Paradise podcast, because I think we were talking about Hakata Star Lanes and how Pac versus Casey was headlining that last show. I don't remember the context around it. I just remember that Alan and I watched a clip of the Italian connection entering Hakata Star Lanes, like doing their ring entrance and just the mass of young women and young men aw- awe-stricken by Milano and by Yoshino and by this unit. And Alan making note of, you know, what they used to say about the Toriyama demographic with, you know, being young young women and gay men was very much true in that moment in Hakata Star Lanes. And I started thinking about that during this opening match where in such a weird way, you know, there's all these new names and new units, and there's this constant forward progression gate but Kamei and UT and Daya and Yoshioka being at the you know seemingly the forefront of this movement and menorah, it's back to its roots of young hot guys doing cool moves, and I am so excited about that.
2: I was actually talking about this with a friend today, and it's something that like it was in the we were talking more about the International House of Hot Boys, and it's something that like you look out in the crowd. I think it was something that you really could see in, in the pre-show where like they would cut to the crowd and then, you know, it would just be like people he- holding up fan signs and almost all, I mentioned earlier, half of them for Men a ton of them for Yuki Oshio-ka. Dragon Daya had some, UT had a bunch and Hio. So like they are starting to do this. And I think it's something that they are going to try to reappeal or uh, try to appeal again to the younger female demographic than a lot of ways Went over to New Japan of how New Japan kind of stole what what the Dragon System did for 15 years in a way, which is kind of fascinating because that's such like a shift from the first Gong Kids of over generation where in a lot of ways it was the the kids of the teenagers that were there in 1999 in 2001 out there for that so it's really fascinating like having like these four guys open the show i mean of course having the hot match put on youtube so if you're not on the dragon gate network it is available on the dragon gate youtubes i really have liked how young vibes has kind of gelled into this tag team and then the way that dragon Die and yuki yoshioka went at it and it's something that's like yeah it does not seem like this would be like a future twin gate match they're doing this right now but I would love to see like a longer 20-minute version of this match.
1: Yeah, I, in, in the same way that I, I think of Gate of Destiny 2007 and that half-hour Speed Muscle versus uh, Yokosuka and Rio Saito match, I would like to see th- uh, these, these four guys, these two teams, given that stage and that amount of time. I think that would be really intriguing, which is what I was going to say just about Daya and yoshioka as a team in general you know they're the current twin gate champions and i really think and Dragon gate booking can be a little strange they could lose the belts in march for all i know at champion gate but this seems like a banner team that could become i don't want to say maybe the next doi yoshido because that's not fair but yamato and doi To name a team. A a, a historically great tag team. It seems like these guys have the chemistry and the look and and the the momentum. They're both so hot right now. It (laughs) seems like this is a team where
2: he's so hot hansel <laughs> he's so hot right now
1: <laughs> but you know give me daya yoshioka versus susumu and ut give me them versus doi and Ishida versus ben k and Drankid versus hulk and diamante you go down all of the units that exist right now and the units that will form in the coming months and there's at least one interesting match that these guys can have with some combination of those units it's it's really exciting to see and and, and you kind of touched on this earlier when we were recapping masquerade but the dragon Dia thing is crazy and i wrote this in my review over at voices this guy was handpicked to be the next dragon and the same lineage of ultimo dragon and dragon kid and somehow in some way He was miscast having a mask on him in such an important role. It sounds like it's an insult to the booking. It's not really. But now you see this guy without a mask on and you go, how was he wearing a mask for three years? This is insane. He has the whitest teeth, the brightest smile, and ridiculously great facial expressions. This guy is beaming with star potential right now. And for as much as I liked him in the mask taking the mask off initially seems like the right move.
2: Yeah, maybe it's something that's like, all right, he has the move set to fit in as Dragon Kid's heir, and he will be cemented in that role, and then we will take take the training wheels off and let him be himself. And maybe like, maybe like all right, this kid's already good looking. He already has kind of just like, and it's not even like a, oh, this guy is just impressive looking. He just has like a natural, likable, like, charisma that just radiates from him like he smiles comes out there skateboarding and it's something you're like oh hey i like this kid he's great dragon die he has a skateboard it's awesome and it's something it's like get down the like the flying and the fundamentals down because we know that oh the two of us were kind of divergent on our original thoughts of Dragon Daya, of course. But by the time of the mass match, I mean, he was phenomenal. So now you have like this total package and you have like the perfect guy to team him with and Yuki Yoshioka, because we're seeing like stuff like the, like the, I'm going to call it like the, uh, like the handstand moonsault or like he he runs, he jumps off of of Yoshioka's back in the midair, turns into a moonsault and it's like, oh God, this is insane. And it's something that you really want to see them get that long run. And it seems like it's going to happen enough so that they're doing a public campaign that you're able to name Dragon Daya and Yuki, Yuki Oshio's tag team. So I feel like that I, I would normally say like, yeah, no, they could lose this spell in, in Osaka next month. But it seems like that this might be a long tenure tag team. Like This might be a run that we're going to be that we're seeing watch in front of us.
1: I would love to know how far in advance they knew they were going to take the mask off of Dragon Dya. Obviously, with this company, I expect there to be long-term energy put into everything they do. But I, I wonder, in if you asked the powers that be in 2019 or 2020, hey, what are the odds this guy's mask comes off at some point? I would love to know what they would have said because I, you know, like we talked about it, we we were stunned. With the result of him being the one unmasked, we thought, you know, obviously Die Inferno, maybe Diamante, and I still do think that's coming at some point in Dragon Gate, preferably. But I, it, all signs point to it just absolutely being the right move. And this was this was a great match. I went three and three quarters on this. It's up on YouTube. Go watch it.
2: Yeah, it was three and a half. I the only reason was I was a little bit more down. I was like, oh, I wanted more of this match because it was a really slow building match because you had UT doing all of, of his Yave stuff and like Kamei and like this. And I was like, all right, th- this is a match. Like they compress into 10 minutes, but I really want to see the 25 minute version of this match.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, both, both. I, I think both teams are capable of it too. We've oh, yeah. seen, we've seen UT deliver and the big spots before Kamei, while maybe not having the giant match on pay per view yet has proven that he can have these long and great singles matches, and I would fully expect that to be able to be adapted into a tag team match. And Yoshioka and Dia have spoken for themselves; we we know they can handle that spot as well. So this is one of those deals where if they run this back in a few months, I would certainly welcome it.
2: The second match on the show was the was the only non title singles match on the show. Case talked about this earlier. Don Fuji versus Shoya Sato. Don Fuji won in five minutes and 23 seconds with his ultimate finisher. We got a nice German suplex on TV for like the first time in what feels like years. And I thought that this was kind of interesting match. It's something where like Sato has the presence, but there's certain things about Sato that I'm like, all right, you're still two months in. You need to work this out here. But it was a really compelling Don Fuji beats the crap out of a rookie match.
1: Yeah, it, I it's. How long was the match? Five minutes? Five, basically five and a half minutes. It's weird to say this about a five minute match, but the first half of this match is so much better than the second half. Uh, w- when they start the match and Fuji throws his pink gate crew neck at Sato and Sato throws it back and they go into their their initial brawling, I was fully expecting to have this wind up as a spreadsheet match. And as the match went on, we saw Sato. I don't know if "exposed" is the right word, but we saw the holes in his game become more and more apparent. He's able to take a beating, but it, it, it lost its it lost its luster the longer it went on. Up until that finishing spot where Fuji escaped the cross arm, break, arm breaker and hit the nice German, which was a very very nice German. Yeah, the headbutts suck. Oh my god, that was in my notes too. The headbutts were really bad. I like the idea of him doing a ground-a-pound spot, mm-hmm. but yeah, stick to the stick to the forearms, maybe ditch the headbutts.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something that in a lot of ways, for me, like I enjoy this match, I enjoy Don Fuji beating up on rookies. He is a babyface teaching these kids their places in the world, but it just did not really work for me uh commentary was great because jay made things like don fuji has three hobbies it is drinking trains and being the crap out of rookies and that cracked (laughs) me up (laughs) that's how
1: how i'm trying to approach my shoot job also because that just (laughs) that would help me out in life
2: case are you a train
1: fan oh dude i'm a public transportation nut i love the stuff i can't get enough of it i love trains so there's you... a new it, it or my chicago people will know this and i can't think of the the exact model name but chicago transit authority cta unveiled these new trains last year that have like a digital interface inside of them and i i, I i've only been on them once and when i was on it I was seeing a girl at the time who also, I don't know if she had an interest in trains, but she told me she had an interest in trains. So I talked her ear off about it, but I was like taking photos inside of it. I showed her videos when I got home from work that day. i like, Hey, like look at all of the features this train has compared to the old ones that, that we normally ride. Like this is the greatest thing ever. There's also these new electric buses in Chicago. And the one that I take to work, d- there's not an option for that yet, but I am fascinated by the electric bus. And I, I, I should probably go out of my way to write one at one point just to say that I have. But yeah, I'm a huge train guy to answer your question, Mike.
2: (laughs) No, I respect it. I respect it. You can uh, you and Don Fuji and Raku now have something to talk about. You know, I mean, if if you ever find yourself the same place with Don Fuji and Tokyo Joe Joshi Pro Wrestling's Raku, you you got conversation there.
1: I would love to
2: see that scenario play out. So after the match, Don Fuji offered to team with Shoya Sato. He earned his respect. Sato immediately refused it. Don Fuji was so stunned that he froze in place basically for two minutes and then went to the back selling the cross arm breaker.
1: So, like I said earlier, I took Sato uh, turning down Don Fuji's partnership as a babyface move because I think to me, Fuji's leaning heel in this feud.
2: I mean, he, is it healish to do things in your nature? He doesn't know better.
1: That's a thought-provoking question.
2: He's been doing this for at least 18 years.
1: I, I'm sticking with Santos the baby face here, and I, I like it. I think the easy route would be for Fuji to beat the shit out of him, and then for Santo to want to team with him. I like that for now they're keeping them separate. I think that's smart.
2: Yeah, no, for Sato, I mean, really, for the the fact of just the general just circumstances around him being older, him also immediately, at least in his hometown, being an immediate star and the, their attempts into the Hoku. You don't like as much as I love Don Fuji and I, sincere, I have a deep appreciation for Don Fuji. You just like for Sato, like him teaming with him slows him down in his progression, you know, I completely agree. So after that, we had Yamato and his new best friend, Gurken Mask, teaming up, getting some ring reps in before the big Ryukyu Dragon show against the Ahashi brothers, Riken and Ishin. Gurken Mask penned Ahashi with the Gurken driver, the most money-making man in Western Japan. Keeps it up here, guys.
1: I, I love this man so much. I think and Mask is is so enjoyable. Just everything about him I like. I thought he was legitimately great in this match. He brought so much stiffness and so much intensity to a match that really had no business being this intense. And he stays winning. That's the most important part about and Mask. This man stays winning.
2: Yeah, I I thought that he was the best wrestler in this match, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I completely agree.
2: Like the chop exchange of Riki where Riki was just like something with the rookies on this night for the most part, at least on the undercard, they weren't bringing the sauce and the veterans noticed this because Riki was like chopping him away and he was like, Ugh, come on, try harder. And then Ishin got tagged in and, and Yamato came in and it took a while for Yamada to, to start selling from those either but I thought like, Gurkha Mass looked awesome. Yamato already feels comfortable in this role working with younger wrestlers. I look forward to 2032 when all he's basically doing is, is like undercard tags with uh, Yasushi Kanda because Yasushi Kanda will be around in 10 years, I bet. And they'll be facing the new rookies. Like this seems like a natural thing for him. I, I do have a question for you. Please. Though. I'm kind, I, well, I'm going to say a statement and I'm going to give you the question. This match was the first match since they debuted where I was like, all right, the Ahashi brothers, it's about time to get a move on with them. We've seen them now almost for half a year, like their six month the anniversary will be in March. Do you think that, uh, that that's something that like we're ready to see the the Ahashi brothers progress? Not even necessarily getting a win, but just like the, this was something that like their performances and such, I felt like I was like, all right. The first time I felt like this was... I've seen this a lot from them before. I'm getting a little tired of it.
1: I agree with you completely. I took away the same thing. I think winning a match would solve all those issues. That's one route they could go with it. If you want to throw them in a unit, if you want to see a more extreme character progression, I think that would help also. But I'm at the point, again, we're, we're five months into their careers. It'll be six months by the time we hit Champion Gate. I'm ready to see them win. I think they've earned it. I think they have that connection with the crown, at least from what we can tell, of course, given the the restrictions that are still in place. I, I think every party would benefit from an Ihashi Brothers win over, you know, Shisa or Problem Dragon or whoever. Just getting that submission victory with the Alcatraz, I think would let everything breathe just a little bit. We need, you're exactly right, we need that evolution. I think, which do you think is more important? Their their next step being a win or joining a unit?
2: I think if the win, then then the unit comes after.
1: Okay, I, uh, s- same page. I completely agree.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be, like, they don't need to be beating Young Vibes. They they could beat Shisa and Sachi Boy at, at a Kobe Sambo Hall show. I'm just—it'll probably happen at a Corkin. like, what am I saying? But I'm just— Kind i I'm not sick of it yet. I'm not tired of them, but it's getting to a point now where I'm starting to look at my watch, if that makes sense.
1: No, I I, I think that's that's a very fair statement.
2: After that, we had six man tag, Z Bratz, Hio, S B Kento, and the returning Diamante versus an unaffiliated team, Gamma, Yosuke Samaria, and Punch Tomanaga. Yosuke Samaria got the win on Hio after Ata made his return. He walked up and his mask and his luggage he pulled down the mask grabbed the box went headhunting hit it out of the park and dragged yosuke Maria on top of hyo so zebrats lost their first official match in what was basically a prolonged angle where diamante had a two-minute volta finale on punch somonaga
1: i saw some talk about zebrats losing too much on this show you referenced it earlier. Matt Blankey lost their first main event and they lost it to Shima, Takamichinoku, and Sanshiro Takagi. And they ended up being arguably the greatest unit of all time. This unit, these guys have established themselves already. Their work speaks for themselves. And although you could certainly make the argument, I would listen to it. And I might agree with you that debuting new colors and a new name would be reason enough to have these guys go over in all of their matches, but let's not get lost in the work that they've done over the past year as these dominant heels. Let's not lose sight of that on this one show where just because there's this shiny new object, they all of a sudden have to crush every opponent in their direction. These guys have proven themselves already and this loss, especially with it being such an angle heavy match, and then what would come later in the tag match, the semi main event, it's not a big deal. It is not something to be worried about. it's You can call it a strange booking pattern if you want. Quite frankly, it didn't phrase me. I didn't expect them to win a lot of these matches on this show. So it, it, it is what it is. I can see to some why it's jarring, but it, it didn't phase me at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially since it was so much of an angle match, it, does not bother me whatsoever and this isn't for zerk where like immediately the big thing is like we dominate like you have the dreamgate champion it's something where like having the seventh member having a lost post would help out in the situation because then you don't have heo eating the pen you could have uh sp kendo doing another thing you'd have the lost post in there and then it's like oh, okay that's fine but it's just it's a gimmick thing like this is a storyline i i understand the argument of oh you want to do this but i mean heal units lose a lot like, there's a reason, like, during that five-unit survival race, RED was towards the bottom because you constantly have to have them in matches against babyfaces that have to win. So, and, and that's something to get into when we talk about the M2K match later. Like, you know, this is something that happens a lot in Dragon Gate and in Dragon System. It just doesn't phase me whatsoever.
1: Where do you stand on the Ata and Maria saga at this point? Is this something that you're excited about or something that you're kind of looking at your watch
2: you know, I, I'm i interested. My, my big interest about this is, like, this is going to be Eita's baby babyface run after being the big heel for three years, basically. And I'm interested to see how it comes off, but I'm also interested to see, like, who they put around them, because Yosuke San Maria is never going to be a number two in a unit. It's just not going to happen. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. It'll be very interesting that if this ends up that eta spurns uh yosuke and then goes and forms another babyface unit but I, I i'm fine with it it's something where I, I they play the roles well the stuff that happened and the digest i thought was fun so i'm okay with it at this point i'm more interested i'm okay with it because i'm anticipating the next step if that makes sense
1: yeah, there is on the Drangate YouTube channel. There is an Ata and Maria versus Jason Lee and Shuji Kondo match. Uh, Jason Lee and Shuji Kondo, a team directly picked from my brain. I am all about that combination uh, that Ata essentially abandons Maria for most of the match, comes back, makes a hot tag, does his offense, and then not turns on Maria, but gets frustrated with Maria and costs her the match again. So he he really does a 360 in this match in terms of his connection with Maria. I'm really into this stuff. I'm really excited. And I I, I think the story is going to be that a and Maria come together. Of course, she can't be a number two. I would assume we get Jason Lee involved at some point. I would assume we get one of the youngsters. Could you see Daya and Minora ending up in this unit? I oh, I'm mean, sorry, not, not Daya and Minora, Daya and Yoshioka. I mean,
2: Daya and Yoshioka would solve the top line problem because I don't think Jason is going to be viewed in that kind of role. You know, I mean, you're still going to want to have someone to do uh, Mike with him, with Ata and you can't have it constantly be Maria, you know? So, like, having Daya and Yoshioka would help. Could also see, like, on the youngster department, getting the Ahashis in there. Like, but then you you still need a top-line player after that. You still need someone going to be front-line. And I think that that makes me wonder, like, if this is going to be the final thing like is this like the actual groundworks of a unit or is this something that is going to be the stimulus for something else
1: this i i i I either i'm going to say something really dumb here or i just cracked i cracked a code and i'm proud of myself Ata maria and then you look at the one common trait if this is going to be a unit of love let's say that dia not Yoshioka, but Daya and the Yahashi brothers have, it's that they wear pink. And that just seems like some some shit that Drangate's going to pick up on and that we're going to get a unit that is Ata, Maria, Daya, Yoshioka, and the Yahashi brothers. And that, to me, seems like a very realistic unit.
2: Yeah, and Ata wore pink all during over-generation. That, that was yes, one, of his, one of his trademark colors. So, I mean, that that would all fit up symbolism. Symbolism.
1: And you could throw, you know, at that point, you could throw Jason Lee in there to be your mid guy, a guy that can beat anybody that can also lose to anybody. You could throw a in there just as a body to have. I, I don't know. I mean, these units are going to have to go seven people deep. There are so many people on the roster at this point. So there, there's room for one more, but that certainly seems like the core of that unit going forward. Once the dust settles and we get out of this unit shakeup period, I think we're going to be looking at a unit of Ata, Daya, Yoshioka, the Ahashi brothers, and Maria.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I buy all that I buy all that. Um, match five was an eight man tag team match. We had Dragon Kid, Keisuke Akuda, and Benkei of High End teaming with Takumi Hayakawa versus the unaffiliated team of Ultimo Dragon, Suji Kondo, Strong Machine J, and Rio Fuda. Benkei got the win in nine nineteen with a spear on Fuda.
1: I like it. I said this. I said this last time we talked about Fuda and Akuda. I like that they're leaning in to okuda choking him out i i like that these two guys are wrestling each other on seemingly every show now and that they're not just ignoring that incident but what what do you think it says about okuda you know we loved him in 2020 ashita versus okuda our feud of the year the dvd comp set Coming soon to your mailboxes, of course, we are. No, we're not doing that. Uh, I know Rob Naylor keeps asking for a Drangate compilation DVD. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, but, you know, we love that Ashida versus Akuda feud so much. And then Akuda lost a lot of stock with us last year. And granted, he was saddled with Punch Tamanaga for part of the year. And he he was in a lot of weird matchups that didn't necessarily play to his strengths. But also in Drangate, part of the deal is that, you you know, you have chemistry with everybody. And what do you think it says about Akuda that now that he's back in his comfort zone of kicking hard and working fast with a guy like Ryu Fuda, what do you what do you think that says about him, given how uncomfortable he looked for most of last year? I
2: think that tells you that he's not flexible, you know yeah, as you're as you're saying, and it's something that doesn't bode well for him long term, to be frank. I mean. He'll be around, but something that I mean, there are certain reasons why certain people are in certain positions on on the roster, and it just shows that like Okuda has his position, and that's what it is. It doesn't. It, it's something that it's going to take really him being flexible for me to buy back whatever sock he lost with me last year.
1: Yeah, it's disappointing. Like I don't know at this point if I trust Okuda to have great chemistry with a Dragon Daya or an eta or could Okuda help carry La Estrella to something, you know, even decent? I don't know at this point, but I know if he gets in the ring with Mochizuki, or Fuji, or Ishida, or Fuda, he's going to be doing all right, and that is, you know, not, not great.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's something where, like, I was actually pretty impressed with Fuda in this match, and he was, like, kind of, he's taking a little step forward, like, it's something that he, he's also going to be a flexibility problem. Just because, like, they've, like, there's a reason why Misaki Mochizuki really transcended when he became the uh, heel leader of M2K versus being the guy in the gi with all the other Buku dojo scrubs. You know, it's something that, like, you could do one aspect, but, like, there's a reason why. She's uh, always became like the technical wrestler on the roster. Like you have, unless you're able to do more or interested in doing more, you're going to be kind of stuck with that. And then you have Hayakawa who I thought also looked pretty strong here. He, he, you know, it's like my one other big takeaway from this match case.
1: I, I'm, I'm curious to see if you think, if, if you say what I think you're going to say, you have the floor. Go ahead.
2: I really, really like the idea of Ultimo Kondo and strong machine J as a group. I like this trio I know that they're not a part of the upcoming triangle gate tournament, but you know, if I know Ultimo, they kind of stuck them away from title matches, but if they were to do a challenge, I feel like that these three guys would be a really fun triangle gate challenge team.
1: I I thought you were going to say that you liked strong machine J's performance. I'm counting that as a win I agree. Uh, Ultimo was really fun in this match because Ultimo kind of got in on the stiffness to to whatever degree he ramped up his kicks. He certainly seemed to be throwing strikes a little bit harder in this match than he normally would, and I, I like that, that he didn't feel out of place like, a lot of times in these multi man matches, you'll have, let's say it's an eight man tag, you'll have the six guys doing the Dragon Gate match, and then Ultimo will come in and do the Ultimo spots. And that's fine. He is Ultimo Dragon. He can do that. But this is a match which is shocking given the names involved and the style in which this match was worked. But Ultimo came in and fit the vibe of the match. He worked well with Hayakawa, and he worked well with Akuda, with Ben Kane, obviously with Dragon Kid. And I thought this was a, a really, really fun match. I ended up going three and a half on this.
2: Yeah, I was three and a quarter. I, I, it was something where, like, when I see, like, this match, I was like, okay, the, this is something where, you know, I'm down on certain people in this match. I'm probably going to be predisposed not to be super into it. But I ended up really enjoying it. I wasn't three and a quarter on this. This was something that, like, on this show, really, the only match that I was, like, not thinking it was very good was the main event. But everything else I th- I really thoroughly enjoyed. You know, for me, three stars is good. So I really like this.
1: And I will also say my inkling of Ben K challenging for the Dreamgate belt. I, I I really, for the first time ever, I feel like I have the Dreamgate scene somewhat plotted out. I, I really do think Shimizu is gonna be Kai at Champion Gate, and I think we're getting Shimizu versus Ben k at dead or alive this year so we'll see if that happens but they are heating up Ben k to where whoever wins between kai and shimizu i feel like ben is getting the next challenge
2: no i i could see that and it's something that now they have that second cork in april you could do that defense before you do the build to dead or alive you know that is
1: true that that second cork in april is going to be a really interesting show because my first reaction to it was Oh, great. Another show to do Road to Dead or Alive matches and people that have listened to this show know that for whatever reason, those matches just never connect with me. I don't like them, but maybe they loaded up with something big and then still have something big save for Dead or Alive. That's a very interesting placement, just given the way their calendar works.
2: Yeah, it, it's something that, like, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around that. It's going to be interesting to see, like, if they use that for further Dead or Alive build, or if they're willing to say, like, all right, it'd be a good idea to do another Cork and title match here. So, especially considering how occupancy is for a lot of their buildings, and who knows how the restrictions will be. I mean, be able to get another 600, 700 people in a match that i mean binkay versus shimizu is not a match that you're holding in your pocket you know what i mean that that's that that's a card you can play with a title match you know get some get get extra attendance when you wouldn't necessarily get it you know make sure you get it sell out there in your second cork of the month
1: yeah and that's going to be the, the plan as of now and you would know better than i i would so correct me if i'm wrong but as of april they're going to full capacity cork and that hasn't changed right
2: I haven't. They haven't really said that those are going to change. I mean, with Omicron and everything like this. I mean, who knows? But I, I know the original thing was like this because that was going to be the big deal with the, uh, with the retirement match for Kness. That would be the first full occupancy show. Would be that April seventh, Corkin. So doing that, the second Corkin's a few weeks later. They're not doing back to back. They're doing it on the twenty fifth. Makes you wonder. That might not be a title match now because I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. They don't have anything announced for May yet, but they only have two more shows after that. They might not do that title match there.
1: Very, very curious to see what they do there, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
2: That's right. Support for Open the Voice Gate comes to you by my bookie. Your team might have missed the big game this year, but MyBookie's double deposit bonus makes you sure to, you won't. With tons of exciting prop bets, to choose from there are hundreds of ways to make your Super Bowl the most exciting Super Bowl party yet. What you do is you go to MyBookie now. Use promo code VOICES to have your first deposit bonus match instantly so you can get into all the action for Super Bowl 56. The only way to watching the biggest game of the year can get any better is get paid doing it, and MyBookie gives you everything you need from betting on the opening coin toss to the length of the National Anthem. Super Bowl prop bets are a great way to get the entire party to get some skin in the game. And now with MyBookie, they're giving you the chance to call your own shot by submitting your own Super Bowl prop bet to be featured on the site. All you have to do is comment on the MyBookie Twitter page at MyBookie to get your prop bet featured. Don't miss out. Head to MyBookie and double your first deposit bonus up to 1000 by using promo code VOICES. Place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement for the super bowl but anything anytime anywhere with my bookie in case i know for you your team is in the super bowl coming up here yeah
1: i I was gonna say i don't know who wrote this copy but my team has made the big game i'm fired up Uh, the los angeles rams are one win away from being super bowl champions and they are the best team in the national football league this year so they damn well should be i I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to download the my bookie app with a promo code voices. And I I for entertainment purposes, I will say that I will be putting down a lot of money on this game with my bookie with the promo code voices. I fully expect to put money down on the Rams and I fully expect to walk away with more money than I started the night with. This is the time to bet again Even if you don't know a lot about football, use those prop bets, bet on the national anthem, bet on a Doritos commercial, whatever you have to do. Use my bookie with the promo code voices and make that money.
2: I mean, here's a fun prop bet. Total punts over under six and a
1: half. I, I, I need to know how many punts are in an average NFL game because six and a half doesn't really tell me anything how many punts are in an average nfl game teams average 4.8 punts per game as recently as 2017 now you have to factor in that mcveigh is coaching the rams which means they're more prone to go for it at six and a half i lean under that that's, that's yeah go ahead yeah
2: I was going to say, that is the underdog bet. You get plus 109 on that. So you bet 10 bucks, you'll get $10.90 back on that.
1: Okay, that's, 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 a, very, that's a very intriguing bet. I, that's Hey, look, maybe next time, next time by this week, I won't have any money left. I don't have a lot of money to begin with, but I am planning on putting a lot down at my bookie with the promo code VOICES. And when we talk at this time next week, Mike Spears, mm-hmm. knock on wood, the Los Angeles Rams will be the football champions of the world.
2: Yeah, they have like the, these plus five thousand bets. I'm looking at right now. Matt Stafford, you you get uh 360 passing yards more. Cam Akers has 115 passing yards. Uh, Cup, I don't know who Cup is on the Rams. I. Cooper Cooper
1: Cup, who is having the best receiving season in 25 years, why he's not going to win the NFL MVP, I do not understand. He has had a better season than Aaron Rodgers. He has had a better season than any quarterback just because the year was so odd in the NFC. Cooper Cup should be your NFC MVP. And the fact that he's not going to win that award annoys me because he's putting up Jerry Rice-like numbers in a year where there wasn't a consistently dominant quarterback or, for that matter, a lying quarterback in the NFC.
2: So basically, with Stafford throwing for over 360, Acres rushing for 115. If he runs for 185 and the Rams cover, which is the line currently is they are favored by four and a half points, plus 5400. So you put down 10 bucks, you get back 540 case. Would you make that bet?
1: I am going to avoid any Cam Acres over bets. I think putting money putting money on Cooper Cup to score and amass a lot of yards, I think is a smart idea. I would also be looking at Odell Beckham Jr. Because he has been phenomenal in these playoffs. I I was so nervous when the Rams brought him in that he was going to essentially be Odell Beckham Jr. and bring a lot of drama and a lot of unwanted attention to this organization. But he's been very quiet. He's played tremendously in the playoffs. And with Robert Woods out, he has become their de facto number two receiver. And as a result of Cup getting double, if not triple teamed for most of these games, Beckham has become Stafford's new favorite target, and he was, you know, much needed in the first half of that Tampa Bay game up until Cup got loose finally in the second half. So I would, again... They're going to target Cup. I'm sure McVay at some point is going to drop Stafford throwing a 65-70 yard pass to Cup in the early part of the game. I think that's a very safe bet. Hopefully they complete it when they run that play. But I would be looking at OBJ and I would be looking at Cup as guys if you want to target players for certain bets to, to look at and to put some money on. As much as I like Cam Akers, I don't trust the Rams running game. And my guess is we're going to see Stafford throwing 40 plus passes in this game and they're going to abandon the run pretty quick
2: but how wild would that be if you throw 10 bucks on there and suddenly get 540 you can get your own tracksuit at that point
1: <laughs> in a japanese xl which fits like an american medium
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i got the japanese large but i wear american medium so i mean yeah, I, I
1: I I'm, I like i was telling you before we started recording i'm I'm not only 62 but i was walking to the grocery store earlier today and i was like oh man i feel some extra pounds I, I have not been taking the best care of myself in these winter months oddly enough mental health doing great much better than it was you know september through december but I, i'm feeling pretty good but as a result of feeling pretty good i'm eating a lot and i i felt it today i was caring a little bit more than i normally do
2: i mean i'm just not being able to get out and hike at all because how cold it is and that's been getting to me too so well,
1: it's, it's 10 degrees here it's what like 40 degrees there
2: it is right now forty. This was the first oh day. God. This was the first day in the last three weeks that it has been above forty degrees. Like it's you been know,
1: in- I, I just looked it's thirty seven in Chicago right now, so I can't <laughs> get too upset at you. But that's, this is the warmest it's been in two months.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like the that huge snowstorm completely got a up by the mountains. So I just had a lot of rain and that's made things even more cold and damp. Like we actually had a fog warning last night and it was the worst fog taking out the dog before I went to bed. Worst fog I've ever seen living here it, it was like something that you would see out of Peaky Blinders it was like that kind
1: fog is an underrated scary thing I don't think anybody lives with an active fear of fog but once it pops up it's a little nerve-wracking
2: hey there was like that London smog fog in like the 1950s that like killed a whole lot of people so I think there's a generation of people who have a healthy fear of it
1: I'm sure Morrissey's terrified of it it would make sense <laughs>
2: All right, getting back to Cork, and we had the final burst out Kness Forever Memorial match. M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Yuzushi Kanda versus Natural Vibes, KZ, Ginky Horaguchi, and Big Boss Shimizu. Of course, Darkness Dragon accompanied M2K. And M2K, as they are, want to do, went to a double count out in nine minutes and 30 seconds, and the crowd went nuts.
1: Yeah, this was the perfect nostalgia match this is exactly what it should have been and it's great like i you know i I like m2k when i watch that footage back uh, of that era i am typically a fan of the double ring out committee which was their gimmick where again they were purposefully trying to ruin matches by having them into double count outs i think that's a clever finish and there were certainly some matches where that gimmick was used to perfection this was just a lot of fun. This just was, this was a feel good pro wrestling match.
2: Yeah, no, this was like something that was like nice to see. Like, I did like that we got like the first few moments of GWD before they hit the uh, we cannot broadcast this due to licensing reason. Come on, let them have GWD come out for the last time with the original four. But it's just like it everything like hit the right way. We got the triple teams. We got the Sasumu and Kanda tag team work that you would see in like two thousand through 2002 it just was like a good feeling match uh kanda looks insane doing the the mohawk and everything 22 My years later god
1: i didn't think Conda still had all that hair more power to him that was impressive
2: yeah uh and it was just like a very cool thing to see like all of this and to see it play out that way we got to see some darkness dragon stuff especially doing the uh I forget the name for it, but when he puts a hammer into his boots and goes up top and does the guillotine knee drop, we got to see that, and that was really fun. It just was like the fun thing to see, and it was something that was nice to see him being able to do a little bit, knowing that he's only going to be able to wrestle one match. It makes me wonder what we're going to get next month with the Jimmy's.
1: Well, OK, you, you brought up a few things I want to hit on there. One, we forgot to mention that Yoshioka now has the Darkness Buster as his one of his finishing moves. What are your thoughts on that real quick?
2: Oh, it rules. He should have it. It's yeah, it, it's something that I mean, like Dragon uh, Daya Inferno was the heir to Darkness Dragon. I've been talking about that since since Daya Inferno appeared in 2020. So like, yeah, he absolutely should have the Darkness Buster. Like if he did not have the Darkness Buster, I would be disappointed
1: yeah that that's i the the way they're passing down these moves from generation to generation is so clever. and that's you know I talked about wanting to know who was behind Daya's unmasking earlier. I would love to know who came up with this idea of Yoshino gifting his moves and now and now Kness doing the same. It's so clever, and it's just one of those small fan service things that is just going to mean more and more as time goes on. I'm so glad they're doing that. As for this match, the finish was so perfectly timed with Mochizuki and Shimizu battling on the floor. Shimizu gets in a big strike. He's about to crawl back in the ring. and The Darkness Dragon cuts his knees out with a box attack at 19. Shimizu falls back outside the ring and they get the double count out. That was so perfectly executed. Vintage M2K. And then like you mentioned with the Jimmy's match that we're going to get in March, I was trying to think of if there's... A signature jimmy spot that they can do like the double ring out that m2k had but i there, other than the jimmy's train there's not really anything is there
2: i mean i mean you have moves but they're like other people's moves that they did before like the urbane attack was something that horiguchi was doing has done for 20 years <laughs> like yeah it's, it's not a new thing really i mean really it's the jimmy's train unless they all come out and start doing sumo stuff but then you don't really necessarily know why they're doing super stuff if Don Fuji's not there.
1: Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe they do war paint Jimmy's, but that was before Kness was in the Jimmy. So that wouldn't make sense either. Now, if they want to bring back Naoki Tanazaki for a month, I'm certainly not going to say no. And then they could do whatever they want. They could do the war paint, they could do the late Jimmy's era stuff. Uh, you know, it's not going to, it doesn't matter at that point. But I, I don't think we're going to see Tanazaki, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I mean, it'd be neat, neat to see a six person Jimmy's train as a way to go out on but i don't see that happening but like this is fun and it's like the nice things to do i mean like as they're trying to bridge generations it's nice to have them pay tributes like this and it's something that you know i mean they're not gonna be doing a do fixer uh (laughs) a reuniting thing so you know like these are like the two big units you could really do with them so that was really cool to see so my main event of corkin was a three-way one fall tag team match naruki doi teamed with takuma fujiwara masquerade for one last night was jason lee and kota minora and z brats was bb hulk and shun skywalker mino lee goes out on a high note as kota minora gets the win with the gong on hulk after jason prevented doi to do the pin after hitting doi fives and the bakatari sliding kick on bb hulk
1: we have to talk about takuma fujiwara first I, I, are you on the same page there
2: yeah, yeah. This is like like we we did we tried to do MVPs last week or last year, but the rookie who made the biggest step forward, and it's been this way for a while, is Sakuma Fujiwara this week. He you would not think this guy turned twenty that day. You would not. His presence was insane. He was crisp, he was clear. He looks like he's con he looks like he's still growing, which I know they brought up on commentary that he grew while in the dojo. This kid, it's like his ceiling. I can't figure it out. It's that it's that high.
1: I was trying to put this into the written word in my review, and I just don't it, I couldn't phrase it the way I wanted to. So I'll try it here and maybe it won't make sense still. And I'll just abandon this talking point. But there's something I like so much about Fujiwara. And that when he's getting beat down, he sells so, so well. He's very easily able to take a beating and then during his comebacks, when he's on offense, that that offense just plays so well in the beating he just took. Part of it is that I think he's still selling those attacks. He does a very good job of that. But his entire in-ring approach just flows right now. And I, I, I worry that this might be to some a lazy comparison because I've talked about Ricky Yahashi's charisma and how I think that could translate... Uh, to any audience in the world the same way that a Shimo or a Daisuke Sekimoto or an El Generico would. When I watch Fujiwara in the ring, he reminds me a lot of Generico. He's lanky, and he's athletic, and when he gets hit with a move, he's not just selling it by the body part that was attacked or by his facial expression. It's this full body movement. When I watch Fujiwara, it's amazing he's so under control, yet there's so much movement happening. He's just so intriguing to watch, which is so funny because his debut match in November against Kagatora, my takeaway was, that was fine. You know, he hit the basics, you know, good for him. I'm going to talk about Ria Fuda now and how much he impressed me. But Fujiwara was fine. We'll see what happens with him. And three months later, I you know, I, I can't get enough of this guy. He is quickly developing into a very, very special talent, one that if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Fujiwara wrestle at this point, this is the match to start with this. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday of the week, this is uploaded. It's still on the drain network. Go watch this match. You need to get it on Fujiwara now before it's too late, before there's too much lore for you to catch up on. Watch Takuma Fujiwara now.
2: Yeah. It's something that it's remarkable in a way that as precocious as SB Kinto was at the same age, he wasn't complete in the ring really until the tail the tail end of last year, right? Like, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say that that was the missing tool that has come together and now he's the five-tool player, but Takuma Fujiwara figured it out really early, like like scarily early. I mean, this guy is still, he's not at his three-month anniversary in wrestling yet, and... He's able to do stuff. He has like an offense that's identifiable. As you mentioned, his selling with his body type just looks awesome. And like the thing that's that's crazy that I didn't necessarily think about was until they brought up on commentary is the fact that he's still growing is yeah. going to be really fascinating to see because it's not like something like Takumi Hayakawa, who I mean, I I like him. I mean, I'm I, I think he has a definite ceiling, and maybe I'm a little bit more tough on my projection of him than others but i i think but but we know what he is we know that he's not gonna grow it's not like he's a 19 year old he's got his mid-20s his height is there maybe this is gonna be like one of those things that like an that like a basketball player goes to college and he's and they're like six foot four and they graduate at six <laughs> ten and it's something that like if anything that's going to aid his progression because if he if he grows much taller it, it then it's just gonna be like oh yeah no we could go with him immediately like remember with the conversation with Jay about SB Kento in that regard
1: yeah because Jay said in July and you know I I I tend to believe he was half joking but half serious you know if SB Kento was three inches taller he would have already been open the Dreamgate champion you look at at Fujiwara and you're exactly right he put together the in-ring component of his game much quicker than SP Kento did. It's it's what I said last summer was, you know, you look at how talented SP Kento is. He's someone from his debut match, December of 2019. I looked at that guy and I said, I, I think he could be the next star of this company. I really think he could be an, the, the big deal. And Fujiwara, who is oddly enough, three inches taller than SP Kento, is giving me similar vibes. Now I still, I you know, my faith in SP Kento is, is undeterred. And I still think that he is, is going to be the guy of the guys, but Fujiwara is really showing me something that I don't. I don't know how I want to phrase this. I, did you ever see so young into their careers? Did you ever see this sort of potential from Lindemann, Ishida, or Yamamura in the same way that we that we're now seeing with Fujiwara?
2: No, no, yeah, because. Ishida was hurt so much. Yamamura, it was something that the they were openly trying to get him to step up his game. And Lindeman, they focused on him being such a cutie pie.
1: God, I miss I miss young Lindeman so much. I really do. But but I I, I agree. I think at this stage in his career, compared to Lindeman who debuted in, in mid 2014, and Ishida and Yamamura who debuted in September of 2015, if you look at Any of those three guys, let's say February of 2016, they're not at this level. You know, Fujiwara has surpassed them in the early stages, and I'm I'm so curious to see he's going to land in a unit. I'm so curious to see what unit he lands in, and what his next step is, because like I will continue to talk about with these rookies, Draghi does an amazing job of preparing them for phase one what the hump that some guys don't get over and where we see them settle is they all seem to have this sophomore slump where they they get a unit and they get a gimmick and maybe they change their name and not everybody adapts to that very well and under his real name with this basic gear that he has with this basic moveset that he has he is firing on all cylinders where he lands and what direction they want that character to go once he lands in a unit is very intriguing just because I'm going to be I'm going to be very curious to see if he's an SB Kento who takes it and runs with it immediately or if he's more of a Jackie funky Kameh where it's going to take a few months for him to develop who he is and what he is going forward. Kame figured it out others do not Fujiwara I am very anxious to see what his next step is
2: and I think he's someone that you could plug into a lot of places.
1: Oh, God, yeah. You could put him in high-end tomorrow, and I I wouldn't bat an eye. You could put him in the Hot Boys unit, and I would think he would fit in there. You could put him in Zebrats, and I think that would be incredibly interesting. Or you could saddle him alongside Ato, and I think he fits in there.
2: Yeah, no, like, he's someone that, like, that's why I can't get my handle on him. It's like, it'll be, like, the sophomore step is going to be the big thing with him. Whereas with the other guys, you could kind of see like, okay, Fuda, it's going to be see if he evolves out of this. Maybe you get a heel run to see if he can have something different on that aspect. of him. Hayakawa, unless he goes the Kotoko route, we kind of see what he's going to be, I feel like. And then Shoya Sato, I mean, they're, they, they're acting now with him. And then who am I leaving out there? The Yahashis are tied to each other by the, at the hip right now. So they're not going to do anything with him until years down the road. This is like what we were saying when he debuted. He's kind of a blank slate. And that's what makes him so fascinating.
1: Yeah, completely agree.
2: So the main event was for the Open the Dream Gate Championship. This Wait, was... real,
1: real quick, real quick. Oh, I, I actually I want to go back to that. You're, no, you you're right to move on. I set you up to move on. Now I'm going to change my mind. Uh, <laughs> let, let let's talk about the finish real quick. Doi hits the Doi Fives on dd right. Hulk, uh, and then as he goes for the pin, Jason Lee kind of removes him from the situation. Coach minora hits the gong on Hulk and gets the win. We see the dissolution of Masquerade at this point. Great finish. Want to throw that out there because it, and now I'm looking at my notes incorrectly. The, the Hot Boys angle happens after this main event. So I will go back to shutting up and Mike, you have the floor.
2: Yeah, so actually part one of the Hot Boys uh, thing happened there. Uh, Jason and Coda, they bid each other a fond farewell. Nothing but respect between them. You, know, you like to see it. it. makes you think like, okay, down the road, we will get a, another revision of Minoli and they'll be really sick. And then uh, Toy is sick and tired of dealing with this uh, this ambivalent 20-year-old kid. And he walks away, but Kota Minora asks him back and he says like, yes, I would like to join your unit now. And now we have the hot boys are coming together. Uh, one last note. I liked Shun and Hulk is a tag team. I thought they had some good chemistry there.
1: Yeah, Shun Skywalker has good chemistry with everybody, I've noticed. That's kind of something he has going for him, where you could put him in the ring with anybody, uh, either with or against him, and it's going to work out.
2: Yeah, and Hulk, you know what I mean? Best role as a tag guy. Would not be opposed to Skywalker and Hulk getting a tag shot. Just saying that. Not at
1: all. That cha- Champion get you right around the corner. Would you be okay with, with headlining Night 1, Hulk and Skywalker versus D- uh, Daya and Yoshioka? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, that would rock. That that actually now I think that's going to be that. <laughs> you planted the seed successfully. Uh, then we got the main event: Open the Dream Gate title match. This was Zebrats Kai, the 34th Open the Dream Gate champion, making his first successful defense against Takashi Yoshida with the authorized ganosuke clutch in 18 minutes and 35 seconds. Yeah, this is exactly
1: what I expected.
2: It wasn't bad. It just was what I expected this match to happen. It felt very out of place to me.
1: These guys don't have great chemistry with one another. And I, I understand the inclination to put the two big guys in there and have them bang around. But I don't think they bang around very well together.
2: No, and they did a big guy bang around match in the wrong promotion.
1: You, completely. Yeah, this, I, you know, save this for all Japan, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, no, this is like an All Japan Champion Carnival 2018 match. Uh, most interesting thing about oh, this
1: match. Oh no! <laughs>
2: I mean, am I wrong though?
1: No, I gave it three stars. You're exactly right.
2: I I gave it two and a quarter. <laughs> I just like the fact that this match was like again three stars for me is good. Two is average. Like that's just how I operate. That's how I always the so it was slightly above average because nothing went wrong there. The crowd was completely dead. Uh, when Jay and Hoho Loon have to talk about, well, Takashi Yoshida has new gear and he's wearing new boots. Maybe he's not used to the new boots and him doing ankle locks in the new boots. If that's the lifting that your commentary team has to do to make this match seem good, then you have a, you, then you have an underwhelming match there. Hoho, however, was fascinated by Takashi Yoshida's cape. Takashi Yoshida's gear just looked, it looked bad like it was like the knee pads clearly did not fit and the boots it just was really awkward I did like the uh I did like Kai out of nowhere doing the authorized ganosuke clutch I thought that was very funny I thought Kai's character work in this was great just not the match for this company at this time with these two guys
1: yeah I, I have nothing more to add I thought the commentary was really strong and I thought the match was not
2: Yeah, after the match Kai told uh Yoshida to go back to Mochizuki, start back from stage one, bye bye, and left. Then we got the part two of the Hot boy storyline. Yoshida is sorry that he didn't bring the belt to the new unit. Doi said, Yeah, no, uh, the new unit's starting. We have three members. You're not, a th- it, but the third member is Kaito Shida, who came th- up through the crowd, decked out, and jumped man streetwear. And Yoshida was befuddled for a bit, and they kind of went back and forth about this. And Yoshida finally got the point that uh, you're not joining this unit. He had a full on like a break at that point, just screaming and just was like so disappointed and so sad. It's something where like he's such a you want the best for Takashi Yoshida, like he's a very endearing
1: baby face. You want the best for Takashi Yoshida, but you want him away from you. It's I maybe because i'm just I don't think I'm as nice of a person as you are Mike so like sometimes I'll be dealing with someone and I know I'm being a dick even though I like this person i are i even though I'm rooting for this person I guess I should say i don't really want to deal with them and that's kind of what doy was doing here i i don't i, I here's what I'll say about this closing angle. It was so fucking good. It was unbelievable. <laughs> they fucking they Mike. They got me to cheer for Takashi Yoshida, and it breaks the logic that you would normally have as a wrestling fan, where they pit Doi and Minora in Ashida against Takashi Yoshida. And it, in my 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 wrestling fan brain is telling me I have to pick a side, but I am so on board with this new Coach Minora unit, especially now that Kaito Ashida's in it. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. But also, Takashi Yoshida was so good. He was so good as a blubbering, hurt, bullied man. And now I I have to root for him. I have to see where he goes. I don't I don't know where he's gonna go because he's a weird piece. That's like does he end up in the Eita unit? I mean that would ugh I don't Eita and Maria and yoshida i don't want that that but that's probably what's gonna happen isn't it because he's gonna they're, they're gonna need accept. he's gonna be accepted into their unit like they're gonna be a very accepting unit
2: yeah it's just something where like he is such a weird weird piece to he's figure like out a
1: valuable albatross like you he yeah. serves a purpose but you just uh, it's there's a weight with him that is uncomfortable at times yeah and they're not going
2: to do like like the natural inclination would be like a team veteran thing but they're not going to do team veteran again so soon after Toriyama generation right like that can't happen but that's like the place he makes the most sense is if there's like a mochizuki fuji yoshida kondo unit like that's where he makes sense at but we don't expect most of those people to go into a unit here we, we expect kondo remain unaffiliated don fuji has not been in Really any other units other than veteran units since the end of blood generation, so you're just kind of like left out going like what do you do with him because he is the albatross because he is like this character here and he's not he's not taking a step back here, but he does not fit in anywhere and I guess that leads me to the next question could we be seeing because we have we have zebrats, we have natural vibes, we have high end, we have uh Minora, uh doi and Ishida. We have whatever is going to go on with Aita. That brings us to five. Is this a time to see a sixth unit? Because the roster's big enough for that.
1: Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think, I think the roster calls for it, actually.
2: And that's like the only way he, he makes sense, because you don't add him to high end. He makes no sense to high end. He doesn't solve any of high end's problems.
1: No, you almost wish that, and it, and it won't happen, so I shouldn't even put the idea in people's heads, but you almost wish that Yamato would leave high-end high and work his way back with Yoshida, because they're both at points where they're, they're not going to be challenging for the Dreamgate title anytime soon. Let them run Yamakong back a little bit, but Yoshida makes no sense in high-end, and it makes no sense for Yamato to leave high-end.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's no place for him for natural vibes. Natural vibes is set. Uh, he's not, and they they
1: have a, and they have a big dancing idiot. So they, they're not even, (laughs) and I say that with love, of course, but they're, we're not even, I don't think we're going to get the Yoshida trial series because Shimizu is just a better version of him in that unit.
2: Right, yeah. So, I mean, he's just like this, and he's just like this weird cog. And it's gonna be interesting to to kind of happen here. Uh, and his back to-
1: beef, is beef and e. Red was with SP Kento, and SP Kento was a focal point of Zebra. So, I don't see him turning heel. Right, like I would have a, a ton of issues if that was the the route they go as him turning back heel because the person he had the primary beef with is still there.
2: Yeah, so it, it, he needs a sixth unit, or he has to be unaffiliated. Like that's the only way it works for him.
1: I yeah he's in a, I, I again I that's the, like under normal circumstances the idea of hey this roster's loaded, where are we gonna put Takashi Yoshida would annoy me, but he was just so good and so compelling in that spot and and obviously to some degree I empathized with him i I I have to see where he goes next. I, I I thought he would stay with Doi, and there's a part of me that hopes that he and Doi can just work it out, and he can be stuck into this unit as you know a mid-ranking guy there and just move on. But whatever his next step is, we'll we'll see in the long term if I'm still interested in it. But right now, I am dying to know what his next move is.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting kind of point that adds onto it because you don't know where he can go, and I think that's kind of like. The best thing for him is it's like, oh, we want him to land somewhere. We want him to have a home, but it can't be here. Can't yeah, be here. just
1: not just not here. You, I, I want you to have a home over there. Right,
2: right. Yeah. And instead of how we were before this, it was just like, I want you to have a, a home outside of this company. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. You can live in our neighborhood now. Just, again, just not next to me. Just over there somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the friend that you hope he loses your phone number. <laughs>
1: But we love him. We love but him. Don't, but don't text us.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and don't think he can just show up unannounced.
1: No, no. Invite, invite only.
2: Right. Exactly. exactly. Takashi
1: Yoshida, invite only. That really sums him up.
2: <laughs> Maybe him and Dragon Kid should team together.
1: <laughs> what? Wait. Why is
2: that? Oh, because Dragon Kid's the the guy on the roster that everyone hates in storyline.
1: Oh, that's. You know, when when Dragon Kid showed up at that Noah show in january and team with ultimo uh, there was the translation that came out where the reporter was asking ultimo about it after the match and ultimo was like yeah i fucking hate the guy basically and i had (laughs) i had a few different people dm me of like hey what what happened are ultimo and dragon kid cool like is there i thought the beef was with like Ultimo and Shima and Magnum, not Ultimo and Drankid. And I was like, ah, it's a whole story. Everybody hates Drankid. Like, oh, what are you going to do? <laughs> but I have multiple people reach out of like, hey, what what did I miss? Like, did you guys talk about this on the podcast? No, it's just they hate each other for unspecified reasons.
2: It's because he's the most annoying person. He's the most annoying person at <laughs> the person who, you, you you know, you love. You just love him over there. <laughs> That's what the six unit should be.
1: <laughs> so it's it's Dragon Kid, it's Takashi Yoshida, it's very clearly Punch tamanaga He is going right. to have a prolific role in this unit. um
2: The most excruciating Triangle Gate
1: challenge team ever. <laughs> it's sachi uh, Sachihoko boy because that voice just it, again I love you, but over there and that that feels like the appropriate landing spot for Strong Machine J as well.
2: Right? Yeah, we don't know what to do with you. You, you go over there.
1: Just you're the man and I would love to see you over there. I hate to see you come, and I do love to see you go.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the two last things from the post-match, uh, Shimizu did a face-off with uh, Kai. That's now final. That is now set. It will be the main event of Night 2 of Champion Gate for the Dream Gate title ryo saito gets his way eventually ryo saito would be a member of the over there team if he was still wrestling on a full-time basis as well that's
1: a very kind way of putting it that i love (laughs) ryo over there ryo saito can get lost
2: (laughs) (laughs) but you'd be sad if something happens to him but just go leave me alone leave me alone Uh,
1: 2005 was a long time ago i 2005 ryo saito my number one draft pick 2018 ryo saito i can't look at him without feeling anger
2: yeah 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 no i mean we we don't need to talk about the war gate ever again and the other last thing is kaito Ishida does not have the right idea about how to appeal to women he because he immediately started to call everyone in cork and hall ugly so <laughs> he's the bad boy of the international house the hot boys
1: it's such brilliant booking to get him in there like we talked about about a month ago when we we revisited the rookie ranking tournament He was so over as a baby face and because of his heel turn kind of immediately coming into COVID, we missed out on those mixed reactions of him being with R.E.D., but him still being beloved by some people and I think just given the fact that, you know, we've had a lot of new fans come into our bubble, they might have missed Ashita and Maximum. So I really tried to hit over the head a few weeks ago, like, no, this guy was a babyface star and his profile was rising in a really rapid and exciting way in Maximum. And he kept that up through R.E.D. Him being in this unit, being what we're going to assume is just the bad boy. It's fucking phenomenal. What I did not see that coming and I am so glad that's the direction they're going in. I assume that is winning the Dreamgate this year. I think he's either entering Kobe World with the title and leaving with it as well, or he's winning the title at Kobe World. So I don't see this Triangle Gate team happening anytime soon, but a Menorah Doi Ishida Triangle Gate team would be as loaded of a trios team as there ever was.
2: No, yeah, I, that, that, that's one of the ones that's going to break natural vibes run if that happens, because <laughs> it's like how you're going to defeat them other than tire out
1: i mean eventually they'll vacate the titles that's when doi will turn on them
2: oh oh, oh you mean pulling the old shima one two right there
1: is is that what you called is that what pulling the old shima is
2: yeah, yeah yeah finding a reason to vacate a title that does not involve you losing a match yeah shima did that so many times man i know
1: there's a few different things that pulling a shima could be described as but you're exactly right the, the year-long twin gate run of shima and dragon kid i would love to know if dragon kid was actually hurt or if shima was like hey man I'm not dropping this bell. You better fake a shoulder <laughs> injury real quick.
2: <laughs> uh, this, sorry, Kevin, this finish doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> oh boy. All right. We're firmly to, to hour three now. Uh, a couple of quick things before we get out of here on the, uh, on the digest, on the YouTube, they are, doing this like it seemed like that they got enough for a response that they want to continue doing this there is a really awesome trios match that case you made sure to point me out to. this is doi Minora, and Nishida first time team each other as a trio against dk benke and fujiwara from february 6th and from what i saw because it was clipped this could have probably been an in the building four star match
1: yeah i we I, I don't think we've talked about it a ton on this show but it, on all the house shows, we're getting at least one match uploaded to the Gate YouTube channel, and we got this one here, and it was awesome. And, and a lot of these matches, you know, we're we're not going to talk about every one of them because a lot of them are just – they're going to be matches, and they're going to be three-star deals that we have nothing to say about. But this was one that particularly caught my eye. I don't know – if it's because I'm just paying attention to the house show lineups on a closer level now, because I know at some point we're going to see footage of at least one of the matches, or if it's just a sign of the times where a lot of these house show cards look really, really interesting right now. I, I wish we were seeing these shows in full because they're doing a lot of things that I would like to see. I'm glad that we got this first menorah Doi, Ishida team. We saw this match. And it immediately made me want to see Kaito Ishida versus Takuma Fujiwara in a singles match. That is something that I need sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, no, this is a whole lot of fun and it's worth going your way. And, you know, the best way to encourage them to have more of these stuff up there is people go watch watch them and they get the view count up. So it's worth checking out there. But Case, we're going a long, lot longer tonight than I expected. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Anything more you want to touch on before we get out of here?
1: Uh, no, just if you look at the YouTube channel, there's that match we just talked about. That is from the February 6th show. I really liked the uh, January 29th Sachi Hoko Boy homecoming main event. Uh, that match, I think, is worth your time. And then there was the on January 16th, the Daya and Yoshioka versus Susumu and Horaguchi tag And if you're looking at the YouTube channel and you're looking for what to watch, I would say those have been the highlights so far. Yeah,
2: no, and it'll be a nice thing that they now have. Actually,
1: that's not, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. That's not true. The January 17th show was the UT homecoming show where UT's mom got involved in the finish. That you have to go watch. That match was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to support moms on the show so
1: notoriously yeah.
2: <laughs> notoriously. I, I mean we talked about Kiki Horiguchi's mom last week so you know
1: I kept my name I, I, her name out of my mouth you were talking about Kiki Horiguchi's mom very just, complimentary just, just, to, just in case anybody's wondering I didn't say shit about her
2: I was very complimentary to her and the fact that she always helps out whenever they do the local shows for his homecoming thing so yeah
1: okay, that's it, your story
2: I was roll back the tape bud roll back the tape <laughs> I said nothing on tour to Kinky's mom. No, she's a nice about. lady. Nice lady, yes. But I think that's gonna be it before we go further off the rails here. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. They have a show in Kyoto later on Friday. We'll be back next week talking about it. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. That's it from the VoiceGate. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.